Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. Military families are not like your traditional family. They are strong, brave, resilient, and some of the most incredible people I know. My name is Gracie, a U.S. Army brat, and I am your host. I am honored to be able to give military family members like myself a place for them to share their stories and experiences in the military life. Stay tuned for this week's guest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Grace of a Military Child in Life. Today, I am here with Bob, who is a military child and veteran and author. So welcome to the podcast, Bob. How's it going? Thank you, Gracie. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. So tell me what it was like growing up a military child. Well, I would say growing up as a military child, my father had served long before I uh, came into the world. So he was not actively involved with the military. So my experience was with kind of how he lived his life and dealing with um, or relating with my uncles and cousins who were all also involved in the military. So it was um, more like living with the lessons of someone that had served. Yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely, uh, I think there's almost that stronger impact of being growing up with a parent as a civilian veteran rather than, you know, growing up in the active duty lifestyle. I had quite a few years of my life, uh, my early childhood, where my dad had medically discharged from the military. And, you know, seven years later, he decided to to rejoin when he was able to. But, you know, growing up as, you know, a civilian child who was still a military child, it was that different lifestyle where I was held to some higher standards than, sure. you know, maybe maybe my friends who were, you know, just living that strictly civilian lifestyle. It was interesting for, um, in my family, my daughter grew up while I was on active duty uh, flying B-52s. And so, she and my wife would go down to the flight line and they would watch us take off. And and she was only, you know, three years old when I got out, but I still remained in the military somewhat. And then my son came along and his experience was with dad as a civilian, mostly. Right. And And so they grew up with those two very different experiences. Yeah, and it's so so different and so unique. Even though, you know, looking at a an active duty family with like three four kids, you see each child, but each child has such such a different experience. Just even talking to my sister, who's fifteen months younger than me, when she was on the podcast a couple of years ago, it's so so different. Interesting to see what she remembers of certain days and what I remember of certain days, because even just, just like that 15 months difference, you wouldn't think is a huge deal, but it makes a huge impact on what each child faces. Yeah. I I remember my daughter, uh, when I came back from desert storm, which was years and years ago, I remember one of the things that she said as a three-year-old, she said, all I remember is that you left me for a long time. Yeah. And, you know, my son never experienced that. So those are just 
two vastly different experiences. It's almost like two different families. Right. And for young kids, really a lot of what they remember is, you know, mom or dad is not here and we're moving and we have to to live far away from extended family or we have to, you know, move and leave friends. And so those those moments are just pivotal in in your child's growing and you know being a military child is hard it's not easy and it's not meant to be that way um but that's where like resiliency of kids comes along and they're just growing up to be these incredible young men and women who are changing the world whether they join the service or not right i i think the biggest thing to me is that um I know as a child, I looked at um, not only my father, but my my uncle, who was a full bird colonel in the army. And I looked at those men as role models. Right. And the the examples, you know, they had pretty high standards. Right. And um, I couldn't necessarily live up to all those standards. But they did kind of mold and shape me to really strive for something maybe more than what I was. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, um, you know, we talk about veterans and how they struggle and how, you know, difficult things are when they come home. I think you're you're right in that, you know, the children of veterans have a completely different experience. They just know that mom or dad is gone for a long time. That, um, but there's there's this resiliency that is is kind of ingrained into veteran children, and I think it ignites an aspiration whether they serve or that they don't serve. Right. I think we we get a higher calling. Yeah, absolutely. Because you see. So many incredible people do so many incredible things and change the lives of of men and women and this whole country day in and day out. And you're like, well, I want to it's it's motivating. And no matter what the the struggles you go through, I was talking to my friend um, and she she's been through trauma in her life, not uh, near how do I want to say this? Not very severe in her life, but different from what a military child would face um, in certain situations. But even she was like, you grow from your trauma, you thrive from what you go through. And it's just, it's a stepping stone. And even though you look back and you're like, oh my gosh, those times were so hard and it's still hard you know, moving through day to day. And, you know, my dad was injured. So it's being a caregiver from nine years old is not easy. Um, And then, you know, growing up 10, we're going on 12 years later now, you know, just the difference and the impact that that makes on just young children in general is, is insane. And you just get this passion that you understand you know, trauma. And so like she experienced cancer and she knows what these these kids go through when they get diagnosed with cancer, when they have these 
these life-changing moments. And I look back and I'm like, my passion's within the military because that's that's where I've grown. That's where I, I love. And even though it produced the most trauma in my life, it it's just that comforting feeling of saying, oh no, this is this is what I went through. This is what made me stronger. And this is this is where I want to be. Yeah. So um you and I kind of have a, a little similar situation in that my father became ill when I was nine years old. Wow. And uh right about your age, he eventually passed away from Lou Gehrig's disease. Wow. And, you know, that's a very, very difficult time in a young adult or or child to go through that whole experience. Yeah. But I, I do think that, you know, we have choices in our lives. We can either get stronger from our trauma or we can let it consume us. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think some of my siblings, you know, some of us fared a little bit better than others. Some of us were more resilient. Um, but, um, you know, it, it really is that resilience and our ability to kind of learn how to cope with the great challenges of life that prepare us for what's to come. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I respect, you know, the challenges that you've been through and, you know, the 12 years of trials and tribulations, it's kind of the same thing I experienced. Uh, but there, there are great days ahead for us. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was uh, talking to her and it's that you can get better, you can get better. And, you know, so many people uh, struggle with that decision of what, what path they want to take. Uh, and some days it's, it's varies, you know, some days it are more of a struggle than others and you have that bitter feeling. And some days it's like, oh no, like this, this made me who I am. And so you kind of go back and forth, but it's that, that mindset of just keep getting better and better from, from what you go through and what you've lived through. So, so, so for me, um, I suffered for years after my military service with depression and irritability and PTSD. And, um, you know, that, that bitterness and that irritability is consuming. Yeah. And at times, even if I wanted not to be depressed and not want to be irritable, I was stuck in that because of depression. And so my experience is military people want to try and solve everything on their own. Right. I don't know if you see that in in your experience, but what we in the military, everything we do is as part of a team Mm -hmm. and you have your family and you have all this support around you. And we have to rely on that because depression is treatable. Irritability is treatable. PTSD is treatable. And it's not just a simple choice, but it's a choice of 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 working with the team that you have around you and relying on your family, relying on some other people to help you when pride tells you to try and do things on your own. But um, I do think 
that's the choice is we have a choice of being better or being bitter. And sometimes the path to being better means that we reach out to other people to help us. Yeah, because it's so important to have have that team around you, uh, no matter how big or small it is. And some days for me, it's just one person, you know, whereas a good friend that I I'm like, hey, like, this is not a good day. And, you know, we can have a conversation and discuss and and get through it. And other days, it's it's a bigger team where you need more people around you and to support you. And that's I think that's the gift that we get from from the military. Yeah, Um, we're part of a team there. There are 22 million veterans in the United States. And so. I I try and encourage veterans to realize that they're part of this bigger team and never lose sight of that. And yeah. uh, sometimes we kind of want to push our military away. Right. Um, but there are people that care so deeply about veterans and their families. And um, we just need to kind of be open and accepting of that help sometimes. Yeah, and I think it's so important to rely on the military community as well, rather than civilians, because they don't understand the lifestyle that we've went through and we've lived through. And, uh, you know, we, when my dad retired, we moved uh, to like Southwest Florida, where the closest base is two and a half hours away. And so nobody around us understood. Nobody understood what we were going through. You know, my dad's obviously has fiscal disabilities from war. You know, you don't see amputees walking around, you know, on the daily. And so we kind of stuck out like a sore thumb and everyone's like, oh my gosh, we feel so sorry for you. And I'm like, okay, let's let's leave the pity party because that's <laughs> that's what it's a struggle when everyone just wants to no feel one knows so how bad. to really no one knows how to really um it's just uncomfortable. Yeah. You no, know, they don't know how to deal with it. They don't know how to um, interact. Right. And you know what it comes down to, Gracie, is we have to learn how to be friends. Right. Right. It's just about, I wrote an article called Make a Friend, Save a Vet. Mm-hmm. And it's just about listening and being there and understanding. You don't have to say the right thing. Right. You just have to listen and be available and interact. And because even though your dad's an amputee, that's not who he is. Right. He's got interests and hobbies and things in life that he loves and he's got a family. And, you know, there's so many more things that tie us together. And so even for civilians, I think we can start to understand and start to learn just by being a friend. Right. Yeah. Cause I noticed it a lot in the, in the child aspect of, you know, I've heard stories and literally it, it's a horror story of walking into a new school and you saying, Oh, I'm a military child and nobody wants to be your friend because they're like, Oh, you're a military child. You're going to be moving in two to three years. Like we're not going to welcome you into our friend group because we we're anticipating the, 
the move coming. And it's just, you know, I find so much more more joy and connection when I'm talking to my military friends because they're the ones who are like, oh, no, like we get it. I reconnected with one friend and I was like, okay, I have a random question for you because I didn't know this prior. Um, we were like nine and ten. Uh, when we were living in Texas and, you know, looking back at pictures, his dad was an amputee too. And I'm like, was your dad an amputee in Texas? Is that why you guys were there? And he's like, oh yeah, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh, no way. Like, it's so comforting to to find people who actually understand and actually get it and can, can relate to you on those aspects because not everyone's dealing with being a caregiver from, from nine or so years old. But I right. have like you know, two friends who have dealt with, with similar situations and, you know, we are able to relate on that. And then some who, you know, had a parent who was injured, but maybe not as severe, uh, but, you know, we still experience the same struggles and trials. And so it's just that, that back and forth and relating and connecting. And even with civilians, like you connect through, through other aspects and, uh, you know, I just value my my military connection so much more. But uh, you just find where where you connect with people, and I did a a webinar on that, and it's so important just connecting with people where they are. Right. The I think the other thing that we do in the military that might be a little bit unique is because of our moves and because you know life goes on you mentioned it, we can reconnect. Yeah. You know, I just reconnected with a, a, a guy who went through officer's training school um, back in 1987. So a long time, probably long, long before. <laughs> yeah. But um, so, so our kids grew up together in the same environment. We yeah. knew their kids and and so it's just wonderful now to reconnect and see where their kids are. And it's almost like um, because of our common experience, we can reconnect and just like no time has gone by. Oh, my gosh. And that's such a good feeling, too. They're my one like best friend, uh, we didn't talk for eight years. And then, you know. Instagram is a thing and I had just gotten on Instagram and you know you go through and you're like well I know these people's names like <laughs> let me search for them and you find them and you know not a week goes by where I don't talk to to these people and you know like you said it can be uh for me a lot of it was a span of 8 to 10 years where I didn't talk to these people and it's it's like no time has gone by and nothing has passed and you can literally just have a conversation with them for hours on end and catch up and get to know each other again, in a sense, and know what they've done in the past, you know, decade or so that you didn't talk. But you share that common experience that you had that time, yeah. you know, in the past. And that reconnection is just so valuable. Absolutely. Uh, so what made you want to join the service yourself? So I was a senior at Michigan State University, and my dad had died just a couple of years before. 
And I was walking to one of my classes and I heard his voice in the back of my mind. And he just said, uh, I always wish I would have learned how to fly. And that was something that he and I had in common is just this passion for flying. He never did. And uh, when I heard that voice, I was walking past the Air Force recruiting station at Michigan State. And I took a right turn. And nine months later, I was in the Air Force. Wow. Just the way some things happen is incredible. And you never know. You're just at the right place at the right time where where things like that just fall into place. It just, it was uh, one of those Zen moments where, or a God moment where everything just kind of fell in, in sync. And, and I have no regrets whatsoever. And, and probably had some of the greatest experiences of my life. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It is on my bucket list to learn to fly. I don't know how that's going to happen, but it is on my bucket list to learn to fly. So we'll see what happens in the next. You can do it. Yeah. I know a friend who's at the Air Force Academy right now and she's going to be a pilot. And I know I just recorded with uh, a woman who is actually an author for kids books. And it's so, so incredible of what the stories that she's doing of taking a plane and making the plane the main character and then taking, you know, kids a day in the life, you know, of the plane. So it's really kind of cool. But, you know, just seeing, you know, my friends and then all of these women just just flying. I'm like, oh, I, I you know, from nine years old when I would be on flights couple times a year, I was like, I want to be a pilot for Southwest. And my parents were like, well, join the Air Force. And I was like, I'm not joining the Air Force. So, Well, there's a lot of academies out there that you can go to and and just uh, take what they call a discovery flight, mm-hmm. where um, it's not even that expensive. You just find an instructor and they take you up and you get a chance to fly for the day. Yeah. But uh, I call it People that have this yearning to fly, I call it the fish you got to swim. <laughs> it's like um, you have it in you and and it doesn't go away. Yeah, no. Even uh, like five, six, seven years later, you know, things in my life had changed. Like I wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to, to do all of these things. I wanted to be a dancer. But, you know, and then it comes back and I you know, kind of got a career path set, but I'm like, I still want to learn to fly. <laughs> you know, It's something that'll never go away until I actually do. Will I be a pilot for Southwest? Probably never, but <laughs> you know, there, there's other goals in life. Um, yep. But yeah. And then what made you want to start, start writing and become an author? So I mentioned that I had my struggles uh, when I left uh, the military. And I actually, um, I suffered from nightmares right after combat, and then they went away. But then 16 years later, they came back with a vengeance. Mm -hmm. And um, so it really impacted me to the point where I realized I just wasn't living the version, I wasn't the version of myself I wanted to be. So I, I finally got to the point where I admitted that I needed help, and I got help. And um, through that um, program, I started getting better. 
And I realized that there had to be other people like me that had these struggles, but um, didn't know how to go about um, getting better. And so I spent six years researching my book and because I wanted to make sure the one thing that the military community, it's like they can sniff out uh, yes. if someone's not genuine or if someone is kind of feeding a line. So I wanted to make sure that everything I put in my book was well-researched. And I mean, it's a lot of its stories from my heart, a lot of its stories of other veterans, their struggles and how they came through it. And, um, but I just wanted to, to write a book that would, um, would help other veterans. I knew the title of my book was going to be from service to success before I even wrote a single word about it. And, um, I had someone, uh, design a cover of the book and I used to keep that picture in front of me so that I could keep that goal and remind myself and visualize myself having a finished book. Right. And so six, six years later, um, I went to a publisher and then another year later, the book came out this last May. I love that because, you know, it's some things you can just visualize and it's, it's so much easier when you have a clear picture in your head of this is, this is what I want it to be. Uh, in the end, whether that's, you know, like you said, book cover or just, uh, you know, me, like for me, it's picturing this nonprofit that I'm starting and like, you know, seeing it come to life. And so just having that, that image, whether it's physical or a mental image is so, so important to, to know that there is a finish line. It's just, it's, it's going to take a while to get there. <laughs> I used to, when I was young, um, you know, even before I was 10 years old, I used to get the flying magazines and I would take the, the pages of, um, the inside of the cockpits and I would paste those up on my wall and, and just look at them in awe yes. of the inside of a cockpit. And, and I'm sure that that's what drove me, uh, to eventually fly. Yeah, having that 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 image of this is where I want to be and it makes it so much easier to chase your goals and to to get to where you want to be. Yeah, it's absolutely critical because your your subconscious mind is incredibly powerful. Yes. And those images are the your subconscious mind can't tell if it's if it's real present future whatever it just it takes that image and it sucks it in and then your subconscious is helping you achieve that uh when you don't even realize it yeah absolutely and so the last thing i want to ask is what advice would you give to another military child to another military child um wow <laughs> um, it's, you know, I, I look at my own children and I think of the lessons that I put in my book. That's a really interesting kind of twist on things because I have focused so much of my energy on what would I tell another veteran? Right. So what would I tell another, uh, a 
vet- a child of a veteran is love your veteran. Um, love has so many different meanings to it. Love means, you know, forgiving. Love means accepting. Um, love means value. Um, love means learning. And um, and being there and being together. And, you know, I think that's a two-way street, right? So yeah. I think when we give something, we get back uh, twofold or more. So when we give someone love, we get it back. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that's what I would just value these times and memories and, and um, the forgiveness of the hard things, you know, the fact that they moved you when you weren't ready to. Right. <laughs> the fact that they put you through this crucible of fire. Um, just know that you've got a great life ahead of you and that uh, all of that is possible because of some of these strife and struggles that that you were exposed to, even though it wasn't your necessarily your choice. Yeah. Absolutely. And where can listeners find your book and connect with you? Well, um, so we have a Facebook and Instagram uh, that's called The Patriot uh, Promise, The Patriot Promise. And we also have a website called patriotpromise.org. And the books are available all over the United States and available online at the major uh, online stores. If they go to uh, patriotpromise.org, if they buy a book, we automatically donate one to a veteran. We've donated over 2,000 books to other veterans um, throughout all the VA and uh, other veteran organizations. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Bob, for being on the podcast. Thank you, Gracie. You're a very kind and and, uh, welcoming host. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to Grace of a Military Child and Life podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to give it a like, follow, and comment. Also, be sure to check out Instagram and Facebook at Grace of a Military Child and Life for more awesome content. For information on the podcast, Military Child Bigs and Littles, Go AMCL blog, or other resources, visit www.goamcl.org. You can also email me at Gracie. That's G-R-A-C-I-E at G-O-A-M-C-L dot org with any questions or comments. To be a guest on the podcast, you can schedule it at www.goamcl dot org forward slash schedule a podcast, all one word, or contact me via social media or email. Stay tuned for the next episode where another incredible story is shared.